Welcome to Talking Sports with the A-Train, and today I'm going to do a little bit different. Since I've said that this podcast has been renamed and rebranded, and I'll be claiming new listeners each and every day that this podcast is published and aired out. If you heard my trailer, you heard me mention something about Black History Sports. Well, today we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Moses Fleetwood Walker. And let me give my credits where this story has come from. This story is coming from The Undefeated. Moses Fleetwood Walker was the first African-American to play pro baseball six decades before Jackie Robinson. He was born when slavery was still a fixture in American society and played shortly thereafter. The legacy of Moses Fleetwood Fleet Fleetwood Walker as the first African-American to play professional baseball is changing the narrative of sports history. Born in Mount Pleasant, Ohio and raised in Steubenville near the Ohio-West Virginia border, Walker played catcher during the 1884 season for the Toledo Blue Stockings of the American Association, which competed with the National League. Although Jackie Robinson is widely recognized as the first African-American to play in the major leagues, Walker is acknowledged by historians as the National Baseball Hall of Fame to actually be the first six decades before Robinson suited up for the Brooklyn Dodgers on April 15, 1947. Robinson's story of enduring racism and overcoming prejudice to become one of baseball's all-time greats was accomplished amid great personal sacrifice during a period of upheaval in the United States when African Americans were seeking equality with whites in education, housing, voting, and basic human rights. He was voted to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1962 and died 10 years later at age 53. Walker, who was 67 when he died in 1924, was born during a turbulent time when slavery was still a fixture in American society. Growing up as a free man, he overcame insurmountable odds and broke into professional baseball 19 years after the end of the Civil War. He played in the minor leagues until 1889 when baseball enforced a color barrier that remained in place until Robinson's arrival. The son of a black father and a white mother, Walker was also the first African-American to play baseball at Oberlin College and the University of Michigan. He was acquitted on a second-degree murder charge in Syracuse, New York, when an all-white jury ruled that he stabbed a white man in self-defense. A 2015 play titled The Trial of Moses Fleetwood Walker depicted the 1891 racially charged courtroom drama. Walker was later sentenced to one year for mail fraud. Following a distinguished baseball career that once earned him the pricely sum of $2,000 for six months of work, Walker purchased a hotel and a movie theater and he also published a weekly newspaper. The Moses Fleetwood Walker story is an American story about a constant need 
to fight for justice, equality, and freedom, said State Rep. David Leland of Columbus, Ohio, who reintroduced legislation February 13 with fellow State Rep. Thomas West of Canton to designate October 7, Walker's birthday, as Moses Fleetwood Walker Day in Ohio. Hopefully my colleagues in the Senate and House will agree with me that this is an important part of American history that we need to remember. Walker debuted in the Major League on May 1, 1884, often catching barehanded and playing without a chest protector. He hit an impressive 263 in 42 games, surpassing the league batting average by 23 points. The Toledo Blade wrote, Walker has played more games and has been of greater value behind the bat than any catcher in the league. When younger brother Weldy Wilberforce Walker joined the team and played in six games. The Walkers gained the distinction of being the first two African-American to play in the major leagues. Moses Fleetwood encountered few friendly faces among opponents, fans, or even his teammates. He was derided by spectators, angered by his presence on the field with white players. An inviting target for opposing pitchers, he was plucked by pitches six times in, a 100, in 152 at-bats. His own pitcher, Tony Mullane, admitted years later that he ignored signals relayed by his African-American catcher and threw whatever he wanted. As a result of not knowing what to expect, Walker suffered numerous injuries, including a broken rib. When he played, there were Jim Crow laws. They spiked him. They spit on him. They did everything they could. There was open discrimination, and he still played, says State Rep. Michael Ashford of Toledo, the minority whip of the Ohio House of Representatives. In April 2002, as a member of the Toledo City Council, Ashford was part of a local contingent honoring Walker when he, when the AAA Mud Hens open at Fifth Third Field. Today, fans enter Fifth Third Field through the <laughs> Moses Fleetwood Walker Plaza in front of the main gate. I spent money on Moses Fleetwood Walker t-shirts to send 100 kids to the very first game in the new stadium when the city of Toledo recognized him, said Ashford. An unofficial band fueled by a rival player Cap Anson, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1939, kept African Americans out of the major leagues for the next six decades. When Anson refused to take the field against the Walker brothers, other white players followed suit. By the early 1890s, no African Americans were playing professional baseball. When Moses Fleetwood Walker played, there were people in those crowds that owned slaves at one time. There were people in those crowds that were slaves at one time. If you think race relations are rough now, think of what they were like in 1884, said Craig Brown, adjunct instructor at Kent State and Stark State College and a Society of Baseball Research member who led fundraising efforts to purchase a headstone for Weldy Walker's gravesite next to his brother Moses' gravesite. 
In the culture of that time, people weren't sure how biracial society would survive. The idea of social Darwinism was very evident. Brown continued, When Moses Fleetwood Walker played, people had never seen African Americans of his caliber before. You're talking about an African American baseball player who was at the top of his game and intellectually sharp as a tack. In these trying times with so much division right now, so much violence, and so much misunderstanding between groups of people, we need this story. It's a sad story, but so inspirational. John Harris is a writer, editor, and digital journalist who has worked for the Philadelphia Inquiry, St. Petersburg Times, Fort Worth, Star-Telegram, and Pittsburgh Tribune Review. He's a managing editor at Hunt Scallon Media and a former writer for CBSSportsLine.com. He's the one credited with this story, which I think is a very interesting story because oftentimes we look at Jackie Robinson as the one who broke the color barrier, but it's always good to know the history. So that is what I will be doing on this podcast. I will be bringing some history that we might not know about. And I hope as this podcast grows, I hope I will say something that will, you know, pick your brain a little bit, you know, or get your attention and you will be able to reach out and call and I can have you as a guest on my podcast because my podcast is going to be open to any and all. We will talk NBA, we will talk NHL, we will talk Major League Baseball, but we're also going to talk some black history sports as well too. I guarantee you, unless there's just a staunch historian out there, like the majority, you're probably thinking Jackie Robinson was the one who broke the color barrier. But now you know the history of who really broke the color barrier. I will be back with more. Okay, I am back. And as I said, I was going to be concentrating a lot on black history sports. I want to go back to a night to a 2017 article. It was the NFL draft. And there was a significance about significance about that because the Arizona Cardinals selected Chad Williams, a wide receiver from Grambling State in the third round. This was significant because Williams was the first of four players drafted in the NFL in 2017 to come from historically black college and university, HBCU. The other three were North Carolina A&T running back Tariq Cohen, who was picked by Chicago Bears in the fourth round. Albany State defensive tackle Grover Stewart, who was nabbed by the Indianapolis Colts in the fourth round. And Alabama State offensive lineman Jalen Ware, taken in the seventh round by the Oakland Raiders. HBCUs are not traditionally considered college football powerhouses. However, players from these schools are regularly drafted into the NFL, and often they are great. In fact, 10% of NFL players who were in the Football Hall of Fame were drafted by HBCU. And I'm going to take a look at a few of them. Jerry Rice, 
the greatest NFL player of all time went to an HBCU. Before Jerry Bryce was breaking the all-time receiving record as a San Francisco 49er, the Hall of Fame wide receiver was a stud player for Mississippi Valley State University. In 1984, Rice was clearly the main offensive threat, leading the team in touchdowns with 27. Walter Payton, Chicago Bears legend Walter Payton, better known as Sweetness, spent four years at Jackson State University. In 1972, he broke a Southwestern Athletic Conference record by rushing for seven touchdowns in one game. Doug Williams. As a starting quarterback for Grambling State University, Doug Williams was named Black College Player of the Year twice. As a pro, Williams would lead the Washington Redskins to a Super Bowl victory in 1987. He dominated the game, thrown for 340 yards and four touchdowns, which was a record at the time. Michael Strahan. During his time at Texas Southern, Michael Strahan was so dominant as a defensive end, opposing teams needed to constantly double-team him. Coaches jokingly referred to this as the Strahan rules. That dominance would follow him to the pros, where he would go on to have a Hall of Fame career as a New York Giant. Today, Strahan is still dominating his field. He is currently a Good Morning America anchor. Jackie Slater. Jackie Slater was a teammate of Walter Payton at Jackson State University. Slater would go on to have one of the most remarkable professional careers of all time, playing 20 years as an offensive lineman with the same team, the L.A. St. Louis Rams. John Stallworth, wide receiver. John Stallworth spent his college years at Alabama A&M University, mainly because that was the only school that offered him an athletic scholarship. Stallworth would go on to have a legendary career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played a crucial role in the Super Bowl when he caught a 75-yard touchdown pass from Terry Bradshaw, beating the Dallas Cowboys in the process. Yeah, it pained me to say that. <laughs> Harry Carson. Harry Carson made nine Pro Bowls and won one Super Bowl as a member of the 1986 New York Giants. Carson also had an outstanding college career, not missing one game during four years at South Carolina State University. Richard Dent, Hall of Fame defensive end. Richard Dent was a key member of the legendary 1985 Chicago Bears team before he was Super Bowl shuffling his way to a Super Bowl win. He was attending Tennessee State University, graduating from the university in 1983. Art Shell. Art Shell has had a long distinguished career that contains many magnitudes after graduating from the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. 
Shell spent his career as an offensive lineman for the Raiders. In 1989, he became the NFL's first black coach, taking a job as the lead man of the silver and black. Shannon Sharp, tight end Shannon Sharp, is easily Savannah State's most well-known athlete. He won Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference Player of the Year in 1987. He was going to have a Hall of Fame career with the Denver Broncos and Baltimore Ravens. Robert Mathis had a distinguished career as an outside linebacker. He spent his entire 14-year career in the NFL with one team, the Indianapolis Colts. Mathis, who attended Alabama A&M, definitely overachieved considering that he was drafted by the Colts in the fifth round of the 2003 NFL Draft. Aeneas Williams. Aeneas Williams was on his way to becoming an accountant until as a junior at Southern University, he walked onto the football team. He never looked back. Williams would go on to have one of the more remarkable careers as a cornerback for the Phoenix Arizona Cardinals and the St. Louis Rams. In 2014, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Donald Driver. Wide receiver Donald Driver would become the main weapon for two all-time great quarterbacks, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. He would go on to play in four Pro Bowls and win one Super Bowl in 2011 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not too shabby for someone who was drafted out of Alcorn State. Well, let's keep up with the theme of Alcorn State, Steve McNair. McNair had the option to go to a school with a big-time college program. He decided he wanted to play quarterback, so he went to the modest Alcorn State University. McNair was a star college player right away, so much so he was drafted third overall in the 1995 draft by the Houston Oilers. McNair would go on to play in one of the more infamous Super Bowl games between the Tennessee Titans and the St. Louis Rams. McNair's story ends tragically, however. In 2009, he was shot and killed by his mistress, Sahil Kazemi, in a murder-suicide. Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones invented the sack. As a defensive end, Jones had a knack for tackling quarterbacks behind the line of scrimmage. He called it getting the sack, and the terminology has stuck ever since. In college, Jones played briefly for South Carolina State University before transferring to Mississippi Valley State in 1960. And there you have a look at some of the players who have went to historically black college university that made their mark 
in the NFL. Hopefully you have enjoyed this segment. I will be back with more.